You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio, where you get the transparency you deserve. Your host, Brian J. Decker, has 35 years of finance and investing experience and is the CEO of Decker Retirement Planning. He's also the author of The Decker Approach, A Safer Approach to Retirement, and has been featured in several major news publications, including Forbes, Newsmax Finance, The Street, and many more. Brian, it's good to be here. Welcome back. Thanks. So today we've got a we've got a great show planned. Today we are going to be talking about um, estate documents and talking about how those tie into financial planning, right? So we're retirement planners; that's our specialty. And as we as we do this, though, as we help plan out and, and we look to do um, to help people put together a co- kind of a, a complete retirement plan for themselves, our portion that we focus on is the retirement planning. But we do recognize that that takes into account making sure their estate passes correctly. Um, obviously, we're, we're not attorneys, so we're going to be talking from a financial planner's point of view, the things that we see and we run into. So, Brian, what what's kind of the, the, the biggest reason someone should be taking proper estate planning into account from your perspective in okay, retirement? Okay, from my perspective. So, we're talking not as legal counsel and attorneys, because we're not. We're just talking as fiduciaries and observers who have seen families torn apart because of how their documents were or weren't drafted. So that's where we're going to be coming from this whole radio show, Will, Power of Attorney, Living, Will, and Trust. You know, we read um, about the the stars in uh, of people who have passed away. Like, um, there have been several prominent people that have passed away without any documents. And what it does is... Uh, the the beneficiaries or the people that think they're beneficiaries of um, who's the king of rock and roll Elvis Presley he didn't right. he didn't have his documents in place and then uh, Marilyn Monroe didn't either and so people are clamoring in court to try like vultures to uh, claim their their assets and it just divides families so the number one reason to um, have your documents in place and complete is to make sure that your children still talk to each other after you're gone. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think that's a good point because I think a lot of people get get overly consumed with the assets, but it, it, this can be a make or break it for relationships with your kids. Mom and dad said that was mine. No, that was mine. Can you, can you just hear that? And then for the larger estates, um, that's where they bring their own attorneys to the reading of the will. Um, there's a great movie out recently, Knives Out. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see that, the reading of the will, it's pretty funny. But anyhow, we're going to talk about, have you seen that? Yeah, it's a great movie. I highly recommend it. It's really, it's really funny and it, it kind of deals exactly with what we're, we're talking about. Yeah. It's, it's a good reason why you should be nice to your family that's about to pass on. No, I just I say that I say that with a with a smile and a laugh. Uh, obviously, you just want to maintain the relationship and care for each other the the right way. Right, and know that human nature, um, Doctor Jekyll becomes Mister Hyde. Human nature when someone passes and an estate transfers. I I just have seen it too many times. Well, okay, so- and, and I'll add real quick before you jump into it. One of the things that I think. Um, I think we don't realize because we look at it and we look at, okay, well, my siblings or my parents or my kids or whoever's going to be dealing with your estate 
a lot of times the conversation is, oh, well, they're the most level-headed person I know. They'll never, it'll never be an issue for them. They'll never run into any kind of, any of those kinds of issues where they'd fight over something because my kids all love each other. They've got a great relationship. Well, when somebody passes, obviously emotion kind of takes over because you're grieving and you're sad and, and feeling all of those totally normal feelings when somebody passes. But then when you tie that into there was something left behind well, I want that. Then it, it, you've got emotion and then you've got, uh, it, it can, like you said, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, it can change people. Yeah. So we're going to cover that. So we'll talk about the will, power of attorney, living will, and trust documents, uh, in the hour that we have. Let's start with the will. So the will, what if you don't have a will? Then you die in test state and the, the, the state decides, uh, closest kin who gets what. So if you want the state to make that call, then no reason to have a will. But if you do want to make sure that your assets pass the way you want, have a will. Uh, we'll talk about at the end, the options you have to draft a will, the cost of doing all of this. But right now we're just going to go through uh, the documents themselves. Three important things when it comes to uh, the will, in our opinion. Again, we're not attorneys. We can't give legal advice, but we're going to just give observations of documents that have left things out that have hurt uh, the family as the estate is in transition to beneficiaries. So the first thing is to make sure that you have a succession in place. So you have husband and wife, uh, you have your will, uh, and who is going to be your successors after you both are gone? Who's going to, who's going to, um, have, who's going to be the successor and, um, take the will and, and, uh, activate what your wishes are. Um, let me give you some examples. So if you have no children, you need to find someone who is younger than you don't have, um, don't have a successor who's older than you have someone who's younger than you, usually nieces or nephews, things like that, or dear friends, sometimes CPAs or attorneys, someone that you trust that's 20 years younger. Um, so in succession, if you have children, um, who would the children expect to be the successor? Um, after you die, who who would you expect? And by the way, when it comes to the will, in our opinion, this position's not important because of the pour over provision that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, there's not much of a role to play um, for someone that is uh, in succession here in the will to operate uh, the will. But succession is the first thing. And sometimes if you have children, Pick the one that the ch the rest of the children would expect to officiate in that spot. Um, the second alternative you have is if you have, I don't know, eight, five, six, seven children, you can pick more than one. You can pick two. Um, sometimes if you have two, you better make sure that both of them are co-successors in the will. Right. Um, so on succession, I think that's it. Just think carefully about who you want in there. Um, 
after you both are gone or after you individually are gone, who's going to fill that role? Right. So real quick, I want to add here, Brian, I mean, with this, obviously, consider as you're going through some of this stuff should, in our opinion, make make common sense to the person that's that's reading through it. And if you want to see if you want to talk to a financial advisor and get our take on how these how a will can tie into because it obviously you've got all your accounts right your your non-qualified your qualified accounts and how all those transfer you've got your house and all your other assets um and so if you want to talk about to a financial advisor obviously an attorney a cpa can they can talk about certain aspects but we can make sure to help sync all of your financial accounts so that your estate documents match up. And if you want to learn more about that, go to our website at DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Again, the website is DeckerRetirementPlanning.com to learn more. Um, Or again, if you want to just call and chat with us for 15, 20 minutes, it's free. We can do a free consultation. We can answer some questions um, on the financial planning side of it and how all of this can sync together. Because really, it's all part of the big picture when it comes to financial planning. Your estate, um, your obviously your health care, which we're not going to get into today, and your health insurance, but your life insurance needs, your tax. I mean, all of that, it's it's one big uh, kind of functioning, function, functioning entity that you want to make sure works seamlessly together. And we can help make sure uh, from the financial side that it does work together. So again, if you want to learn more, go to our website at DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Good, good. Okay, the most important thing when it comes to the will is the pour over provision. So let's say, um, let's say that John is married to Susie, and John. And, and by the way, I would say half the time, Clayton, uh, over the years, over the thirty-six years I've I've done this, half the time the client says. Oh well, the best attorneys in Seattle or or Salt Lake City is have put these together, so you won't find any trouble in these. And of those, half of those don't have the pour over provision. So let's talk about the pour over provision. If John is married to Sally, John says, "I leave all my residual residuary estate to Sally, my wife." If it says that. And he and they have trust, uh, a trust in place, thinking that they've avoided probate. They haven't because now John and Sally are dead and they've passed their assets, the residuary estate to each other. They should have passed it to the trust. The correct reading of the pour over provisions should be um, I leave my entire residuary estate to the John and Sally Smith Living Trust. The trust didn't die. John and Sally did. There's zero probate because all those assets are poured over into the trust at death. There's three parts to anybody's estate. One is all their retirement accounts. Those are separate usually from the um, from the estate, uh, from the trust. I mean, and so you have the tr- the retirement accounts, the IRA, the 401k, uh, the Roth account, the SEP, all these different accounts have specific beneficiaries attached so that when a person dies, the death certificate, affidavit of domicile, letters of testamentary are presented and those assets are transferred separate from the trust 
and the will to those beneficiaries. But that's one part of the estate. The second part of the estate is the trust. And so the trust assets are handled with specific instructions inside the trust on how to distribute those assets. The third part is what the will takes care of, and that's the residuary estate. Um, Usually in the residuary estate, it is your quote unquote stuff. It's your artwork, your jewelry, your your uh, cars, your your all your stuff um, that needs to be uh, poured into the trust to avoid probate because the value of many people's stuff is enough that uh, when. Um, when you pass away, if you don't have that poor of a provision, expect uh, someone to value your estate and take a fee uh, for probate. So that's it on the will. Um, Clayton, would you add anything to that discussion of the will? No, I think that's everything. And really, this just comes, Brian, obviously, you've been in the industry for 35 years. You've been doing this for a very long time, and you have seen the effect of um of these situations where people didn't structure their things in a better way, in a way that they could have done it so that it could have prevented issues within their family. And so this is more experience that you've seen personally that you're speaking to, where these adjustments can be made to help avoid real issues that families do run into because their documents aren't set up the right way or they, they're non-existent. And so that's one of the things that we want to make sure if we need to get in touch with an attorney, we can do that to help make sure that your estate documents, your will, and the other documents we're going to be talking about today are all set up properly. So if you want to learn more about this, again, go to our website at DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Again, that website is DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Or you can call us. Our number is 833-707-3030. Again, that number is 833-707-3030 to learn more. Now, Brian, so we've talked about the will. What were the other, uh, what was the next document that you wanted to talk about? Okay, so let's talk about the power of attorney. And by the way, the number one focus in getting these documents um, to read correctly is to continue the relationship with uh, the children so that they still love and talk to each other. Um, on the power of attorney, this is the document that is uh, in force when you're not when you're not quite dead yet, like Monty Python said. So here's where you haven't died, but you're incapacitated, and this is where you have a document that while incapacitated transfers authority to someone to be your agent. So there's three things that we would have you jot a note on for your power of attorney documents to check. One again is succession. Now, whoever is um, the successor in the will, um, usually it's spouses to each other is primary and then you're, you're gonna pick children or a child to be a successor in the will. They don't have a big role in the will because you have a pour over provision and everything goes into the trust. So there's not, whoever is in the will just doesn't have much to do. Um, in the power of attorney, this is someone who you want to have uh, be a very detailed person, a person who can do your taxes, a person that can um, handle 
uh, real estate transactions, a person that can overlook your stock portfolio, things like that. Those are the things that are going to be needed to happen while you're incapacitated. So many times there's a different person that you'll put. If you have three kids, one might be in place as a placeholder for the will. The second very detailed accounting or financial person might be the person to choose for um, your power of attorney. And if you've got a healthcare person, that person might be the right choice for successor agent for your living will. Um, but anyhow, we'll, uh, on succession, think carefully of who you want to go in there. They need to be detailed. They need to uh, ideally have a financial or uh, a tax background because that's typically what's, uh, what's going to be asked for to handle your estate. Um, the second thing after succession is a discussion of compensation. Compensation clauses cause many problems that we've seen. And so we would ask you to consider striking the compensation clause for a couple reasons. One is how vague it is. Uh, compensation clause says, quote, reasonable compensation is due uh, the successor agent for their activities. Um, how much is reasonable? Try to think of that number. It's also called a blank check. Um, we've seen reasonable compensation be twenty, thirty thousand uh, dollars just because they could, and there was no oversight, and it was the second to die parent, and they were going to die, and during that period, um, large checks were struck. So if you want to compensate your agent, make sure to put a specific amount in there. Um, we would highly recommend you not leave it a blank check. But compensation is a problem in a second way in that it creates distrust among the other siblings if there's more than one child. Um, here's an example. So you've got Johnny and Sally and they have children, um, uh, child one, child two, child three. Well, child one is chosen as the agent and when child two and three get a copy of the power of attorney, uh, they see that, quote, reasonable compensation is due. And they ask child one, how much money did you did you uh, take for yourself? And the child one is defensive. What do you mean? What are you talking about? And child two and three says, look, it says right here, reasonable compensation. And it just goes downhill from there. So uh, we would recommend that you strongly consider striking the reasonable compensation because it just creates family problems. And since family relations are the number one priority for um, maintaining those family relationships are the number one priority in how these changes are made, um, that's, uh, that's a biggie right there, compensation clause. Right. And the one thing I would add, in, in talking to people about this, I think a lot of people, when I said, well, this is a potential issue that you can run into where you're that agent or that whoever's going to be taking care of things, they can write themselves a blank check. Most of the people I said, well, I trust my kid or I trust my whoever is going to be handling everything. And because of that, they um, 
they were like, that's not a big deal for me. And I think, well, that's fine, but just remove the opportunity. That's great that you trust your, your kid or whoever is going to be handling your estate. But when you've, when, when the door is open, I mean, there's that saying a, a locked door or lock keeps an honest man honest. Right. And so with that, it's, if, if the opportunity isn't there, um, there's less like likely going to be an issue of something coming up because I did have something where, and I think probably a lot of folks that have uh, sons or daughters in law can attest to this, um, that you've got to be cautious with your in-laws sometimes because they can influence everything. And most of the time when I say that, they'll be, I get a lot of head nods. They say, Oh, yep, I totally know. I've got a, a son-in-law or a daughter-in-law that they, whatever the reason is, right. And insert your, your reason here on why that's a, that's a potential, um, issue. So those are some things to consider when it comes to why, why that rationale should be there. Just that the, the, the the lock stays on the door and and it keeps them focused on the right, on the right. uh, That's a good point. A lock locker. Um, it really doesn't tempt anyone. By the way, I just remembered Aretha Franklin passed away three years ago and she had no estate documents. And there's still, even with the state dividing her assets equally among her four children, you would think that that would be good. The lawyers are still still fighting over Aretha Franklin's estate. Sure, because yeah, you get the royalties from all the songs and you want that you want that song in your estate. But supposedly the state divided it equally. I'm just saying. So, this is very very important. If you want your children to be speaking to each other after you're gone, please take time to jot a few notes during this discussion. So we talked about the will. We talked, we're talking about the power of attorney right now. And the reason to strike the compensation clause is it creates distrust. Um, the third thing is probably the most important thing. And that is the trigger clause or the activation clause of the power of the power of attorney. Um, so when does a power of attorney uh, go in force? Um, so let's talk about advantages and disadvantages because the most, the most uh, convenient is it's activated on signature. So Clayton, you and your wife, let's say, um, have, uh, a power of attorney that's activated on signature and the millions that you've got in your investment account, um, are legally enforced by both of you. Now, after Super Bowl Sunday, your team won and your wife Laura's team didn't. And and you were celebrating a little too aggressively in her face. This this story is all such a fantasy to begin with, but I like where it's going. The millions of dollars, the <laughs> the each of us having our team in the Super Bowl on Sunday. I mean all of all of that. So all keep of this, that this, so is, true, yeah, right? this is good. Keep going. Yeah. And so a week later, shock of shocks, you get a call from Cabo San Lucas. And Laura's calling you to inform you that you celebrated too aggressively. And so she's decided to take all of your IRA and um, accounts and transfer it into her name. And she legally can do that because she's power of attorney. Uh, and and that's it. And and she's just done with you and your celebrations on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, that's that is obviously there's a problem there, right? Because taking being able to just rewrite everything and say oh, I'm going to put the title of all of of the cars in the house and the 
the, all of that, the non-qualified assets, everything, putting that in my name or okay. in her name. We joked around with you. I want to tell you a real story that, that is tragically hilarious, um, <laughs> if that's possible. <laughs> um, this couple, um, this was several years ago, um, we were doing planning in Seattle and they were arguing, 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 and she would call me in between appointments and say, you know, I don't know if this marriage is gonna work. Um, well, we finished their plan, and at the end of their plan, we went through their estate documents. I mean, they were at each other's throat all the way through. And guess what? Their um, power of attorneys were signed with activation on signature. And I had to do the awkward, uh, task of informing them that they have the legal right to take each other's assets and that I recommended that they change it to two doctors. And so let's talk about two doctors for a second. So the most convenient activation or trigger clause is to have, um, to have it on signature. My wife, Diane, and I have it on signature. You better have a very strong relationship with whoever you have a power of attorney that's active on signature. But probably 70 plus percent of the power of attorneys that I'm, I've seen are activated when two doctors determine that someone is incapacitated. That's the trigger clause that I see most of the time. When two doctors, not your primary care physician, I hope you change that because many times we create these documents and don't look at them for years and then by the time you need them, well, your primary care physician died 30 years ago. And so don't use your primary care physician, just use just generically two medical physicians because anywhere in the world that will work. And you wanna have a copy of your power of attorney on your phone so that it can be used at any time uh, to be shown to a hospital or an emergency room. Um, active uh, with two doctors works most of the time if you have it on you. Here's the drawback. The drawback is on, um, the drawback happens when one of, one of the spouses is diagnosed with Alzheimer's or dementia. And this is a heartbreaker. So now one spouse has to drag the other spouse in front of two doctors and the, the poor individual is putting on their best face just because of self-esteem to try to be a, a, a strong human being. They don't wanna be shown as incapacitated. So it's just a heartbreaker when that happens. And so we strongly recommend upon diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's to change the power of attorney trigger clause to family counsel. It's legal and a family counsel includes the wife and children and they know that individual better than any any doctor does and so they're able to activate their power of attor attorney without dragging that person in front of two doctors which is very emasculating and uh, and and activate the power of attorney right so one other thing you mentioned Brian in as a as a as a matter of updating your documents, we hope that you look at doing this on an annual basis, at least every two or three years, just to, 
yeah, at least look at them just to make sure everything reads right and that it sounds right. I uh, I met with a couple once that they they hadn't done theirs. It had only been eight or nine years, but over the course of that time, their daughter, who was their agent on their their power or on their will and their power of attorney, she had gone through a divorce, and they just didn't feel like they wanted to uh, potentially put that burden on her of having to deal with with that. So on top of what she was already going through. And so those are some things to consider that life situations change people's personalities and, and their, I guess your view of how they're going to handle your estate that can change as well. So those are some considerations. Um, we hope that with this, if you want to learn more, go to our website at DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. That's DeckerRetirementPlanning.com to learn more, or you can call us at 833-707-3030. Um, We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. We're going to be talking more on the will, the power of attorney, and your other estate documents. We'll be back soon.